So the message this morning is called A Sinner's Prayer. And uh, as we start this off, I want to talk about prayer a little bit, because it's something that as a church we do, as a family we do, it just, it should, and it, hopefully it does kind of permeate throughout our lives. And we've been talking about this a lot with my kids lately, what, uh, what we pray for, what we pray about, what does a Christian prayer look like? A lot of times it's, and there's nothing wrong with these things, a lot of times though our prayers center on healing, on the, on the troubles that we're facing, on God getting us through these things. And again, those are, those are good things. Those are important things for us to pray for. Uh, but there's, there's more to our prayer life that, that we can touch on if we, uh, tap, that we can tap into if we expand beyond that. Another thing, it's called a sinner's prayer. Uh, you think of the sinner's prayer when you're going to lead somebody to Christ. Uh, but I wanted to kind of get beyond that this morning because we're all, we're all sinners. And so as sinners, how do we pray? And uh, again, pray for healing, pray for help, but there's, there's a little bit more to it. Uh, if you would, go ahead and turn to Psalm 139. We're going to read the whole passage this morning, and then we'll uh, jump in to the parts that, that, are, that we're really digging into. Psalm 139, verse 1, I'm reading out of the NIV. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in and behind. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together into the depths of the earth, your eyes, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you, God, would slay the wicked away from me, and you who are blood, away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you again for letting us come together. We thank you for your word, and I, I thank you personally for a chance to, to share uh, with the church this morning. I pray that you'll, again, uh, Help me to get out of the way. Just let it be you speaking through me and help this to be a message that, that we can all take to heart, we can all take, put into action in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, so before we dig into the prayer part, those last two verses, let's look at who. It'll be helpful for us to know who wrote this. So it's a psalm. David wrote it. Um, I was trying to find details about the timing, and I didn't have enough time to get to that, but David wrote it. And if you look at the words there, the themes, God is all-seeing, God is all-knowing, God is all-powerful, omnipresent. 
God knows us. God is with us. So this is a prayer not of somebody who doesn't know God. This is a prayer of somebody who clearly has a relationship with God, somebody who's seeking to follow God. If somebody's not following God, they're not going to acknowledge or maybe even realize these qualities of God. He's all-seeing, all-knowing, all-powerful. He's always there with us. So this is the prayer of David as a follower of God, praying to God. So I already kind of touched on this. Why is this called a sinner's prayer? Because we're all sinners. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. We are all sinners. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we all have a way to move beyond our sin and get to to heaven. One more verse to, to give you here. James 3.2, We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. And so here's where it gets a little bit interactive. Raise your hand if you're perfect. All right, so we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble, they're perfect. We're not perfect. Therefore, we all stumble in many ways. Therefore, even though we are all going to heaven, we are all still sinners. It's not something that we necessarily need to be proud of, but as we're sharing the gospel with people, it's important that we remember it's not you sinners. It's we sinners. And maybe even more importantly, me as a sinner. I don't want to talk down to others around me because that's going to turn people off to the gospel. We sinners, me sinner. So, one other thing. As we're praying this prayer, looking at this prayer, it says, search me, God, know my heart. Test me, know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. There's something else to recognize. We talked about David, about God. So if you look at the very beginning here, Verse, first three verses, you search me, Lord, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. That's past tense. God has already searched us. God already knows us. You know when I sit and when I rise. You discern my going out and my lying down. Before word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. So the thing to point out is praying, asking God to do this is not revealing anything to him that is unknown. God knows you already. God knows he searched you. He knows you. He knows everything about you. He knows everything you're going to say in this lifetime, and he knew it when, well, at the beginning, when he created all things. God knows. We're not, we're not enlightening him in any way. So this prayer is more about us. It's not about giving God permission. It's about our mindset as we approach God, Remembering God knows all, but we are opening ourselves up, not pretending he doesn't know everything. Maybe, maybe we've had kids that, that kind of, you know, we've worked to know what's going on in our house. And uh, I've told Noah that now that he's at school with me, sorry, uh, not, nothing super personal here, but I told him when he was going to my campus, I'm going to know things. I've got, I've got students, I've got teachers that I can talk to. I'm going to know things. And so there have been a couple times where I say, hey, I heard this happen. And he's like, well, how did you know? So yeah. I know, at least within my little realm, God knows within his realm everything that's going on. Yeah. All right, so let's, let's look here now. Search me. Uh, there's a three, four phrases, four s- phrases that we're going to look at that kind of go throughout this as we look at this as a prayer for us to God. Search me. It says, search me, God, and know my heart. Search me. 
asking God to search us. This shows a desire for, a, for him, for us, by us, for him to know us deeply. I think we, we have life group at our house once a week. And every week, just about on Tuesday afternoon, we are kind of scrambling around the house. We get home, scramble to, to clean up, to, to pick up those dishes that have been sitting there for a day or seven, and uh, try to get the house looking cleaned up. We want to put forth maybe a better, a better face than we would normally have. On the other hand, we have family that come over, and um, it's like, hey, just sit on that pile of clothes or just push that pile of clothes aside. There's no, we're not trying to hide anything from, from family. This is just the way it is. Those clothes have been there for five days. They're going to be there for two more days. Um, but when, when, it depends on who's coming over, who we're, how open we are. So, so the way that we are open and vulnerable with, with family, we're not trying to hide things, is the way we're going to be open and vulnerable, should be open and vulnerable, vulnerable with God. Uh, not trying to hide our flaws, again, because he knows. Not uh, trying to pretend. And a lot of this is more about us. If we know, if we admit to ourselves there's something going on in our lives, that's really what God needs for us to, to acknowledge the, the dirtiness in our lives. Maybe you have friends in that same kind of way, friends that you can just talk to about surface-level kinds of things, and this might be the way we, we interact at church on Sundays because there's not time for a lot of deep conversation. Hi, how are you doing? And maybe inside, you're not doing that great. But the Sunday morning answer, oh, I'm fine. It's, it's all good. And then you go home and it, it's not all good. But we get below the surface there and share with somebody what that is. Uh, maybe we have friends that we can be like that with, be open. So there's benefit to letting God in, to letting God see you. Uh, think, of it, think of it as taking your car to the shop. If you are taking your car to have them look at it, you don't, maybe you do, but I wouldn't think you'd wash it and try to get everything fixed, air up the tires and make it look its best, and then tell them, okay, just look at the outside of the car, it's, it's pretty good, and then take it home. You want them to really get in there and, and dig around and then know what's going on with the car. If it's knocking, you want to find out what the source of the knocking is. So maybe there's a knocking in your life, and you want to get to the source of that knocking. That's search me, God, and know my heart. Find out what that what that rattling sound is, and let's help me help me get through that. I was thinking about as a teacher. I I always want. I've always said that I want to be the best teacher I can be. I want to. I don't know. I've got areas to grow. So the way that I've approached this is there's conventions, there are clinics, there are things that I can go to and I can look and see, oh, I think that's a problem I struggle with. How can I address that? How can I learn how to do that better by what they're showing me over there? Something I haven't done is ask a teacher, a master teacher, to come and look at me and tell me what's wrong with what I'm doing. That's, that's hard. That's scary. That's personal. And it almost... I think, could seem like an attack. They say, hey, you're not managing your classroom. Well, you need to do this better. It's like, well, you're not dressed right. You need to, <laughs> you need to go. Um, it, we, uh, it's hard to do that, but that's what we're asking God to do. Come and look. It's, it's one thing to just you know, look outward. What we're asking here is to look for God to show us, to shine a light on what's going on in our lives, to shine that light and, uh, and really help us to move forward in growth. 
growth is, is the key in all of this, not just stagnating. I think we tend to look at, we just, church in general, at conversion, getting somebody to the cross, getting somebody saved, and then we baptize them and we're done. But how do we move forward from there? How do we expand there and get a group of disciples, multiplying disciples, so that we're all moving forward together, and as we're moving forward together, we're drawing people alongside us together, dropping fruit, raising up new trees. It takes growth. So, this part of the prayer is about getting beyond what we think our issues are. That, that's when I look at the classroom, I have things that I think are my problem, but I'm sure if I was to get somebody else in, they would identify something totally different. Uh, maybe there's sin in your life that you're struggling with. You think the source is here, but if you let God work, you'd find that the source is over here, something totally different from what you're thinking. But we've got to let God in to see that. As I shared uh, from James, we all stumble in many ways. None of us is perfect. We all have something that we can pray for God to, to show us in our lives. So seek, search me. Search me and know my heart. The next part, test me and know my anxious thoughts. It's, it's a scary thing to ask to be tested. We don't want to be tested. We don't want to be tried. We don't want to have challenges necessarily in our lives. I, I was thinking about this as I have a study hall. I hate study halls, but I, I have one uh, at, at school. And... Uh, it's not as bad as I was thinking it was going to be, but there's at least two kinds of students in a study hall. There are the students who want to study, and there are the students who just want to sit around and play computer games or talk to their friends or just anything but study. And these students that want to study, what I've seen is sometimes they'll come to me or they'll go to their friends, and one thing that I hear is, can you quiz me? Can you can you ask me these questions on this test that I'm trying to get ready for? And the purpose there is, well, kind of to know my anxious thoughts, to show me where I'm weak. Help me to, to do this. If, if they, I, they ask me to quiz them, and I just kind of keep asking them the questions and don't give them any feedback, oh yeah, that was good. Great, great, great. Ten of them were wrong out of 11, but here you go, go on. We, we want to give feedback that or I do at least, want to give feedback that's going to help them know what to prepare. So test me, God, and know my anxious thoughts. We're looking for feedback to, to show us what we need to, where we're weak and what we need to prepare. So it, it says here, the primary thing is anxious thoughts. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. One other thing that I did this weekend is uh, judge region band auditions, middle school region band auditions. So there were, there were some good things and some bad things, uh, some good sounds and some bad sounds. One of the things that you notice is they, the kids will come in and they, either they feel confident and they just go, or they sit there for a minute or two trying to get their thoughts together. They're anxious. So you, can, you can tell they're anxious as they go through this test. Uh, same idea in a, in a classroom, that the kids get anxious about certain things. You might have somebody who thinks they know, and they can play it on their own, but once they come to me and try to play it for me, anxiety kicks in, and it becomes a weakness. They, they miss things. So test me and know my anxious thoughts. The idea here is, well, there's one thing that says this, is an ex, that explains it as an exploratory surgery for sin. We're wanting God to look in our hearts and find the sin in our lives and then get rid of it. 
But we've got to, again, let him come in. We've got to let him search. We've got to let him test us. Again, not for him, because he knows what our sin is. He knows what our weakness is, but for us, so that we can see it. I've told various kids, I think, and I think mine in particular, that if they don't acknowledge that something is a sin, there's not going to be any repentance. So that's, that's what we're looking for, is for God to show us what the sin is in our lives. Test me. Show me where I'm sinning, and help me to acknowledge that sin and repent. The, if this idea that we don't know, or if we don't acknowledge it, if cookies, if we have my kids like cookies, I like cookies, I always talk about cookies, I've heard, so, uh, so if my kids like cookies, and they want to eat cookies before dinner, and they don't acknowledge that it's wrong, I might tell them, no, don't eat cookies, you should not eat cookies, as long as they think it's okay, they're going to sneak off and try to eat some cookies, it's going to take them realizing that it's not appropriate. They need to grab a hold of it. They need to realize why, and it's not going to be anything that I say necessarily to show them. I can talk all I want. They need to figure out basically for themselves, through experience, through life, and then once they buy in, then they will repent of, of that. Maybe you have a cookie jar in your life that you need to get rid of. Ask God to show you. Ask God to test you and show you why that cookie jar needs to be removed. And some of those cookie jars in our lives are, are hard to get rid of. It may be different for each of you. But we've got we to gotta open up to God. Let God open us up. Another thing here, God's testing probably won't be pleasant. Testing doesn't typically be pleasant. It doesn't typically be, yeah. Um, but it's for the benefit of, of us. Going to the doctor, I don't know. I, I don't ever think of going to the doctor as pleasant. I don't remember the last time I went, but that's something different. Uh, but I, I have all kinds of images of what doctors are going to do to me if they get a hold of me, and none of them are pleasant. And, but I can imagine that those things that the doctor would do would be for my benefit. And I know some of y'all have had procedures done and things for your benefit. God, the, the doctor's going in, working on you, fixing things up so that you're better than you were before. God said he's the, the great physician. Let him work on your, not just on your body, but on your soul. Let him show you those things and let him get rid of those things. So we've talked about searching, God searching you, God testing you, all these things. There's a, there's a purpose. It goes on, see me. See if there's any offensive way in me. I just kind of dropped those middle words, see me. We want to be seen. The, the purpose of having God search us Having God test us is so that he can see us, so that we, he can show us those things in our lives. I mentioned the quizzing. If, if I am quizzing a student and I'm not bothering to give them any feedback, they're not going to be able to grow. So we, we want God to come in and dig under our bed and open the closets and pull all the mess out so that he can show us, how, so that he can show us what's wrong there. There's a show on Netflix, Tidying Up with Marie Kondo. I've only seen a couple of episodes, but it's this little lady who people, we could probably use her help, uh, people who, uh, who have mess in their houses, they, it just, you, they show the video and it looks, they've got piles of books here and piles of clothes there, and uh, it's, it's great. I mean, not really, but <laughs> there's all kinds of stuff lying around, and so they invite this lady in, and she, they, 
look, she looks around, she opens their closets, pulls everything out, looks under their beds, pulls everything out, opens their drawers, pulls every, like just everything is out in the open. And the purpose is so that she can help them figure out how to clean their lives up, their physical lives in their house. That's what we're looking for with God here. We need to let him come in and pull everything out, show you, look, you do not need this in your life. Get rid of it. It's, it's hard. There are things, there might be a t-shirt you've had for 20 years that you're, you're attached to, and uh, you don't want to get rid of that t-shirt. But, uh, well, if God says it's time for it to go, it's time for it to go. So see if there is any offensive way. It does us no good for somebody to know us well, to know all of our sin, to know all of our shortcomings, and just give us a pat on the back. Because there's, there's people in our lives who know those things about us. Those are the people that we want to really let pour into us. If, if somebody can see something and knows you well enough to, to call you out on it, cares enough to call you out on it, because not everybody can do that, then we've got, to let, we've got to be receptive to that. But God is what we're talking about here. So God coming in, God clearing everything out, God showing us what, what is offensive. And then it doesn't stop there. See if there's anything offensive. If we know that something is offensive, we want to get rid of it. We've got to turn around. Amen. I've talked about observations as, as a teacher. And that applies here. I was talking to Crystal about how I've approached observations in the past, and years past. And the principal says, hey, set up... Let me know what time, what day would be good for me to come in. And so I look at my schedule. It's like, oh, this class is my best class. Let's, let's go with that class. And then I know they're coming, so I warn the kids, hey, the principal's going to be here this day. Make sure you're on your best behavior. And then as I'm preparing my lesson, I pull out all the stops. I know we're going to do this, we're going to do this, and at this point we're going to do this interactive activity that I never do, but we're going to do it on this day. And the principal comes in, and it's great but she's not seeing what my classroom looks like every day. Because like with life group that I said, I put everything, I pushed everything under the cushions and it looks, looks great, but there's no, <laughs> there's, there's no transparency, there's no openness. I just, so, so I'm, the feedback that I get then is gonna be, great job, you're the best teacher I've ever seen. Meanwhile, in my classroom, I know my issues, I know that there are things that need help, but I hid those things and so I couldn't get the help that I needed. On the, on the flip side, if I was to pick maybe my worst class and share a lesson that's just what I do every day, principal comes in and when things, when that kid throws that thing across the room and I don't know how to fix that, uh, the principal can help me. And it may not be the most pleasant experience when we talk about it, but again, it'll be for my benefit. So as we invite God to, to look into our lives, Again, let it all hang out, because God sees it anyway. So the prayer so far is asked for God to, to know more about us, to search me, to know my heart, to test me and know my anxious thoughts. And then here's the purpose, to show us what's wrong in our lives so that we can move, begin to move forward. So the, the purpose is to, to show us our flaws. Beyond that, I said, God, God knows the offensive ways in us. We need to be willing to see that for ourselves. I went back to James here, James chapter 1, 22 through 24. One of my favorite verses, I probably shared it with the kids a bunch of times. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. 
Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. If that's how we're approaching a mirror, why do we even have the mirror? We just, we go and look and like, oh yeah, my hair is a mess and I should probably wash my face. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> we don't do that. We look in the mirror. Most of us don't, I don't think, but we, we look in the mirror. We see we need to brush. Uh, I should probably shave. And we do those things. So God, what we're asking here is for God to be the mirror, for this, the scripture to be a mirror into our lives. God showing us those, those flaws, not so that we can just see them, but so that we can take action on them, so that we can shave, so we can brush our hair, metaphorically speaking, or physically. Last part here, lead me. This is probably the most important part. So it said, search me, know my heart, test me, know my anxious ways, see me, see that there's any, so that you may see if there's any offensive way in me, and then lead me. If we're asking somebody to lead us, we've got to be willing to follow. There's a sense of humility that we need. We can't, we can't be proud and ask somebody to lead us because we know everything. We're not going to take what they need. We've got to be willing to set aside our selfish desires, those things that we want, those cookies that I mentioned that we want. We realize that they're not appropriate before dinner. We set them aside until later, until the appropriate time and in the appropriate amount. No more than six, probably. <laughs> so a willingness to set God's will above your own. Uh, so if we're going to ask God to lead us, we've got to be humble. We've got to acknowledge that God knows that God's plan is better than ours. We've got to be willing to set aside our selfish desires, those things that we feel like we want most, which if you look at the way that we pray a lot of times, that's what, we're, that's what we pray for. And a lot of, like I said, they're not bad things, but we pray for somebody's health. It's great to pray for somebody's health, but we're praying. The, the flip side of it is if health goes bad and they know Jesus, they go to heaven. Uh, so the, the selfishly praying is that we want them for us which is, again, not a bad thing. Definitely don't pray for people to die. I don't think that's a good thing. But pray, acknowledging, above all then, God's will. We want what we want, but we really want to get what God wants to give us, what, it's, what God's will is. And you even see this with Jesus in the, uh, at, gets, at a, the Mount of Olives when he's praying. He asks God, he says, Father, if you would, if you could, I know you could, take this cup from my lips but not my will, but yours. I think just above all, in the way that we pray, not my will, but yours. All those things that we want to pray for, great, pray for them. Ask God to heal you. Ask God to give you that job you need, but not my will, but yours. And then when God shows you those offensive ways, be willing to, to follow his leadership and make a positive change in your life. It's hard, and maybe we need people in our lives. We do need people in our lives to hold us accountable, too. And that's, that's a challenge. You've got to have people who feel like family. Because when you have people who feel like family, this is a whole other thing, but it's an important thought. There's scripture that I have to share, but I, don't, I didn't plan to say this right now. But if you have family that you can be open and honest with, and you're... you're gatherings may not always be the most pleasant because there will be times where you're calling each other out on things that need to be said, but the dust will settle and there will be reconciliation. You're, gonna, you're not going to kick somebody out of your family because of what they say. 
on the, on the other hand, if you don't have that openness, everything's just going to be on tiptoes and nobody's ever going to grow in the way that they need to. Families that can call each other out might seem, unhealthy is not the right word, we'll just go with unhealthy, they might seem like there's a lot of conflict, but that conflict provides growth. If, if as a church family, now hear me here, um, we don't want unhealthy conflict, but if as a church family we have people that we can be open with, people that can call us out on the things in our lives, it doesn't mean that we need to be sharing our dirty laundry with everybody around us, but this group of family, that your church family that you are close to, that can, you can call them and say, hey, I, I fell into this trap again. I fell into this sin that I'm doing. Can you help me? Or can you encourage me? If we just keep it all to ourselves, which we tend to do, there's no way for growth there. Beyond that, there are young Christians who are struggling with those things. And as a church, when we all have this front up, acting like we've got it all together, they think there's something wrong with them. Because everybody else, nobody else has any struggles, it seems. Everybody else is perfect, but we're not. So if we can have people in our lives that we can open up to, people in our lives that we can share, not just say how they need to grow, but share our own struggles, it's going to help them, it's going to help us because it will be encouraging to those around us. So we've got to, kind of went off on a tangent there, but lead me. We've got to ask God to come in, show us what's wrong, show us how to fix it, and then take action to move forward to, to fix it. So search me, know me. Search me, test me, see me, lead me. I think that's a powerful prayer that we can we can, I mean, it's, what, eight words. Uh, search me, test me, see me, lead me. If we can just ask God to do that in our, in our lives, I think we can grow, move forward. Uh, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, we're moving into the, uh, into invitation time. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, that's the first step, though. Uh, it's great to, to want God to know you and see you, but you got to know him. So I already touched on these verses, Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, all have sinned, but God provi- provided a way in Jesus for us to come to know him. So today, if you don't know Jesus, it's a chance for you to, to take that first step, that first step in growth. You can't grow to be a disciple if you don't know Jesus. This would be a good chance for you to come up and do that. Uh, and then, beyond that, whether you're a new Christian, whether you've been a Christian for 50 years, if today is the first day that you decide... Uh, Open up your hearts. Tear down the walls. Stop pretending God doesn't know what's going on in your hearts. And let him show you what's going on in your heart. Let him, let him move in you. And let's see what God does in our lives. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for the day. We thank you for your word, for your leadership, for everything that you've provided for us. We pray that you'll show us, that you'll help us to be open to the things that we need to see, the ways that we need to grow. Uh, both as a church, as individuals. Help us to glorify you in all the things that we do. If anybody is here today today who doesn't know you, we pray that you'll move in them and help them to come to know you today. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name.